Hello and welcome to the Modern Musclehead Podcast. This is Scott Tuzina of MetabolicMasterpiece.com along with my co-host Brian Cron of BrianCron.com. And today we are joined by Mike Samuels of Healthy Living Heavy Lifting. Com. We're going to get his insights on his recent um, contest experience. Mike competed in uh, in physique, got crazy freaking shredded, um, but he is also known for um, having some pretty freakish strength. So um, really excited to pick his brain and um, we'll dive right into it. So Mike, thanks a lot for, for joining us uh, all the way from the UK today. That's all right, Scott. It's a pleasure to be on with uh, yourself and Brian. So, looking forward to it. <laughs> I've uh, I've been following your work for a little while. You've been a, a content creating machine. You're just constantly constantly dishing out some uh, solid advice on on your website, um, and your posts are frequently um, featured on uh, the Personal Trainer Development Center site. Uh, just uh, you're putting out some some solid solid work there, and and your approach is um, sane, which is great to see. I think which uh, a lot of people really resonate with that. So really, really looking forward to picking your brain today. Oh, thank you. So let's uh, let's first talk about this uh, this recent contest experience. Um, you got you got pretty freaking shredded there. What? Uh, how long of a process did it take for you to to cut? How much? What kind of weight did you did you drop? And um, did you take a nice, slow, steady, flexible approach? In answer to the last part, I certainly did. It was, I wanted to almost diet without it feeling like a diet. Because I do come from that background of sort of typical bodybuilder. You know, it's grinding through diets. It's bland meals. It's doing hours of cardio every day. That was what I'd done in my teens and early 20s. Um, Not with competing, just to get beach lean and it had been pretty awful at times really so I thought this time around I'd been practicing flexible dieting for a couple of years and so getting on the stage was the next step of just after getting lean just for the sake of getting lean or doing photo shoots so I thought yeah take a slow and steady approach I knew I had a few trips away I was going to be dieting over Christmas over birthdays so my approach is always that I wanted it to be wouldn't say easy, but I wanted it to fit around my lifestyle rather than having to change my whole you know, approach to life, which is basically try and have as much fun as possible um, while getting ready for a bodybuilding competition. So I believe I started out in about November time uh, last year. And apologies in advance, I always do my weight in kilos being from over the pond. So hopefully. Uh, yeah, US listeners will be able to follow along as well. But I started out at about 73 kilos. Um, I'm not a tall guy. I'm only about 5'7", five, 5'8". Five, not the biggest either. Uh, but yeah, started out about 73 kilos. So I believe that's and somewhere I, between one, 150 and 160. It's probably closer to 160-pound mark. We're, we're Canadian here so, too, so we, we use we use kilos as well. <laughs> yeah, so, sounds about right. And I think I ended up at... I stepped on stage at about 64 and a half so yeah wow. look at there. So, is that low low 140s ish is it I think yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah about low to mid 140s yeah stepped on stage 
at that weight really. I mean, I've never been a, a hugely heavy guy. Even when I was massively overweight, I was only just over 200 pounds when I was you know, pretty sort of fat and all honesty. Um, that was back about four or five years ago. Um, but yeah, my whole approach was that I just wanted to kind of take it fairly steady. So I did employ flexible dieting. Um, that's not to say that I didn't eat you know, good wholesome food and junk was junk food was a minimal part of my diet just purely from the fact that I don't particularly enjoy it but I never once followed a meal plan I never particularly did your whole eat six meals a day or fasted cardio or anything um worked with Lane Norton on it as well he's been my coach for a few years and the approach is just very basic really if you hit a plateau you either just added a bit more cardio or you just cut carbs and fat slightly um and the whole thing wouldn't say it was easy but in terms of cravings it was absolutely fine i had no desire to go out and binge after the show um I actually just went out had a subway salad got home and cooked myself some chicken fajitas and had a bowl of oats and it was it was perfectly fine so the whole thing was just nice and straightforward in all honesty yeah it's nice. it's not rocket science i think people try to make it a lot more complicated than it it needs to be um yep. I mean, you you do need to be detailed, but it's yeah. When you when you look at the the whole picture, it's uh, there. There's no there's no crazy freaking secrets or um, yeah. It's it's I don't know why people have to overcomplicate the process. And hearing guys like yourself and and myself and Brian, like we're not. I don't consider us anomalies. It's it's not like it's any easier for us to to drop the weight than most people. Sure, some people got it more difficult than us but mike and i especially i mean we're being smaller guys it's it's not like our caloric intake is all that high either so um yeah, some people definitely have it easier um in, in some instances to to drop the weight they have they a lot more room to play with in terms of their calories yeah, yeah. oh absolutely yeah now was it did it play head games with yourself when you started seeing that scale number get lower and lower like i know for myself when i first drop below 150 um it it was a bit of an emotional battle in my head even though i knew i still had um, five more pounds to to release in order to to get stage shredded um it was tough mentally because you hear so many guys out there saying if, if you don't weigh 150 like you got no business trying to drop fat you need to spend more time building muscle instead of it um, so I had little conversations in my head trying, you know what, my, my goal is to get crazy shredded. I want to step on stage and it's just, it's a matter of just kind of giving my pers- myself permission to to be light and who cares what the frick the scale says. All I know is I, I look fantastic. Uh, did you come through any battles there when you saw that scale number going lower and lower? Oh, definitely. I think when I started out, it's always difficult in the beginning because you don't actually see yourself getting that lean. You just see your weight going down and your calories going down and you think this is crap starting out with <laughs> you know you don't see any changes and you just get lighter um but then eventually started seeing myself getting leaner and got happy with it and then you i think everyone's got their own individual points where they think that's quite a low weight for me i shouldn't be that low and then you kind of push through see yourself getting a bit leaner get more comfortable with it again um for me more so than weight was seeing a strength drop off um having competed in powerlifting in the past, I knew that some strength drop-off was inevitable, um, but it tended to be that for about every three or four kilos I dropped, I noticed a, a 
or an, a larger strength decrease, um, which would then wouldn't get any worse at all until about three, four kilos loss again, and then suddenly it would drop a bit more. Um, so for yeah. me, that was the one that that played multiple games with me. Oh, it was <laughs> it was horrid. I mean, to start with, it was great because my you know, strength to weight ratio is actually going up as I was my strength is increasing for yeah. for the first part of it while body weight was going down, which was fantastic. Um, but in terms of just grinding through, I think I've always had an action plan, which was that I'd never been on stage before. I've uh, got lean, but just wanted to get on stage, prove it could be done as a smaller guy, albeit in physique rather than full-on bodybuilding. Um, and also I knew that actually after this, I'm going to have a you know, a good long off-season, nice steady gains, get back into um, eating more food, lifting heavier weights hopefully. So there was always an end point as well, which I think helped. And the fact I know that end point is going to last for quite a while rather than the guys who try and get up on stage every single year and battle through it. And yeah. I just don't think you can make the, you know, the changes to your physique in that time. I think people grossly overestimate how much muscle they can put on because by the time you reversed out of a, a contest diet without getting too fat, it's taken a couple of months. And then if you diet yeah. down for three or four months, you've only got another four or five to actually put on any muscle, which for anyone who's trained for, more than a year knows actually is quite a slow process yeah yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly that's I, i've given myself it's been two years since i competed i'm going to give myself another year to uh to put on some lean mass before i step on stage again even though i mean it's been tempting tempting to i i miss it i look forward to to get on there again but i i want there to be a strong visual difference between the two contests i don't want to just get up there just for the fun of it um i want i want it to be quite noticeable um to see the improvements i've made in my physique during this time yeah you, yeah, never, want to, you never want to be that guy who competes every year and everyone in the crowd's like oh yeah him again <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no no offense scott <laughs> <laughs> no yeah exactly exactly um yeah so long long off season is uh, definitely definitely a smart smart move what uh, what was your training like uh, leading up to the show the weight training were you were you doing a bodybuilding style of training were you still hitting a lot of your powerlifting type movements or um, were you using daily undulating periodization that i've seen you um, talk about quite a bit yeah i was actually i'd used it a bit before in while i was in the calorie surplus and got amazing results from it and then I used it for this cut. And like I said, to begin with, strength actually went up by quite a significant degree. So I follow a really basic template. It was three days a week um, of squat, deadlift, bench with some overhead press thrown in there. Um, idea being one light day for each, one medium, one heavy. And then I did two accessory days that were uh, upper back, arms, calves, and a bit more shoulders, some core training thrown there if I needed it. Um, and that worked really, really well. So strength went up for a while and then pretty much just plateaued off and stayed the same while I dropped until I got to that very last stage where I think just because calories were lower, cardio was a bit higher, I yeah. did have to reduce volume slightly. Um, so I was still lifting the same weights, but for instance, I would, I know the last four weeks or so, whereas before in my light squat, they might have been three sets of nine with X weight, I'd actually go and do um like uh three sets of 10 with a slightly lighter weight to try and match volume or i'd break that 
three sets down into four sets. So I was lifting fewer reps each set. So that was the um, the bit I struggled with. I think I was getting the same amount of total volume in, but workouts were taking a bit longer. Um, but yeah, used it all the way through. Um, recently switched back just to a an upper lower split just because I've been traveling quite a lot this last four weeks. And it was just easier to do that rather than have to make sure X day I squat, you know, this day I have to bench press and everything and mm-hmm. trying to work with yeah. gyms in hotels. It's never great if you want a heavy squat day and the biggest weight they've got in there is like a 30 pound dumbbell. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've been there. <laughs> <laughs> How about, um, the week prior to the contest? Did you do any kind of tricks was there any secret to peaking the week before the show or did you try to keep things as close to normal as possible well again i left it in left all of this in the hands of lay norton because mm-hmm. we've worked together for quite a while and he's very minimalistic mm-hmm. he basically tells you that if you're not stage lean a week before it doesn't matter how good a peak week is it's not gonna not gonna get you there and the same theory that you know Quite a lot of people say, oh, I looked great a week out or a day out, and then I looked awful on stage. No one says, oh, I looked awful a week out, and that peak week fixed everything. You know, I got super shredded. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. It just doesn't happen. So all we did was I tracked my water and sodium intake for a few weeks beforehand just to get an average, see what I had. And we kept that the same all week. Um, so it wasn't necessarily high, wasn't low. Uh, that stayed pretty much the same. In terms of training, we just tapered it down a bit. I think the first half of the week, I just worked at about 70, 80% of my maximum just on a normal training routine. And then a the couple of days before, we just did a bit of glycogen depletion, but nothing too severe. It was just some full body circuits, a bit of moderate intensity cardio. And diet wise, we just protein and fat stayed roughly the same all week, did change a bit. Um, but obviously carbs are one that mainly changed. So the general overview of that was towards the front of the week, we did like a, um, a carb front load. So we just put the carbs up quite a bit over two days. Uh, so I pretty much hit the same carb numbers I was having on my uh, normal high carb days. We saw how I responded to that and it was actually quite good. I looked sort of tighter and drier and leaner rather than spilling over as some mm-hmm. people do so then we taper them back down again just to deplete glycogen a bit and then loaded them up a couple of days before the show again um, hitting kind of a high on show day and then that was just sort of certain foods on show day that were particularly high carb high sodium and high fat so i was just eating kind of turkey subs and candy bars and rice cakes with honey and peanut butter on um which is pretty cool actually i felt pretty mm-hmm. energetic going on stage after doing that Exactly. So yeah, nothing was. Yeah, that's it's a, what it's all about. I think that's a smart approach. I, I really like Lane's aport, uh, yeah. approach to to that peak week, and um, I enjoyed stepping on stage myself, feeling energized and happy and having fun. But there was, I said, the vast majority of people backstage, they just looked like they were run into the ground. They looked like death was coming to grab them right right then and there so what what was your experience like backstage did you see a lot of that as well it was exactly the same you took the words out of my mouth actually just people who were i say seemed just so they just couldn't wait for it to be over and i was there thinking i've actually quite enjoyed this and this is the 
this is the time to shine. I've done the hard work. I need to go out and enjoy it now. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just I was astonished at how miserable people were. Really, um, yeah. look at their hating. It's still there afterwards, and everyone was talking about what they're going to eat after the contest. And I just I kind of had to laugh. I'd heard someone say, "If you ever see me eat another piece of broccoli again, I want you to shoot me." Um, which I thought that's that's a bit extreme. Obviously, he's had quite a lot of broccoli leading up to this. Um, Other people, as soon as they stepped off stage, they were drinking alcohol and getting drunk, um, planning their cheat meals. And, yeah, they looked awful beforehand. And then from Facebook and posts and whatnot, the next day, they'd all kind of got off stage and gained, like, eight, nine pounds. And, all right, you can argue that that's water weight, but likewise, I don't think it's even if it is, it's not a particularly healthy approach to have, really. I think, mm-hmm. you know, we need to try and remember there's a, a health aspect involved in all of this as well. Absolutely. Actually, Mike, if you wouldn't mind if I could just jump back for a moment. Um, uh, kind of a, just, so you're saying you, you tracked sodium, uh, but that was, that was, you just tracked it? Like you didn't, like it doesn't sound like you manipulated anything. It's just that you, it sounds like in the closing weeks you just tracked it. Yeah, what we did, just because um, the idea was that we didn't change too much at all. So about three weeks before the contest, I tracked every day what the amount I drank and how much sodium I took in. We then okay. averaged that out to see what I had on a normal day. And then during the final week, I aimed to hit that same amount every day. So I think we're about 2,500 milligrams of sodium every day. And water intake was about six liters a day. Mm-hmm. Um, that stayed the same all through peak week we did on the higher carb days I did have slightly more water and a tiny bit more sodium but I think even then it was only like 3,000 milligrams and about six and a half litres of water so just a tiny bit more and then it was um, just on show day itself I, I don't actually know what sodium was on show day but it was high because I was sorting all my foods and and everything yeah. Um I suppose didn't mention water. The only time that changed was on show day when it was, I did drink water, um, but only kind of sips of water from about four or five hours out and then nothing from kind of two hours out. But I still had probably before the show, I stepped on stage at about 5 p.m. and I probably still had about a litre and a half, two litres during the day. So it wasn't uh, wasn't cut completely at all. Yeah, that that was something that, um, backstage, you could, people couldn't believe I, was, I had water. Like, what are you doing drinking yeah. water? It's a, you. You got to be. You got to completely dehydrate yourself, and and they avoid salt like the plague. And I find the salt brings out the vascularity. I mean, and even the water. Like, if I dehydrate myself too much, maybe they not, they're not realizing that your muscles are made up of so much water there. And if you're not drinking it, you're going to look flatter and flatter as the day goes on. And um, without the salt too, I, I find it just it sucks away. My vascularity. So, um, yeah, it was oh, yeah. really interesting to get the looks and comments from people that couldn't believe I would drink water. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. I mean, you look at what sodium does, and it plays such a big role in the muscle pump. And likewise, if you take water out of the equation, you know, your body still needs water. Your body's quite smart. It's going to pull it from somewhere, and it pulls it from the muscle cells. So if you, you deplete sodium, you deplete water, all right, you run the risk of getting cramps on stage as well, mm-hmm. which no one yeah. wants. Um, you know, dehydrated, so you can't can't perform to your maximum. If you're under the the stage lights and you're feeling like death, it's not going to make you look very good. And likewise, yeah, can't get a pump, don't look full, and it's 
yeah, it's crazy. So, like I said, a bit of manipulation, I think, can work, but just nothing, <laughs> nothing crazy is needed. Right, right. Now, you mentioned cardio. Were you doing much of it during this prep? Not too much. My total cardio, even by the end, was uh, about an hour and 15 minutes a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was that was in interval training. So I started off at yeah, back in November. I was doing two sessions a week. That was um, interval wise. We were doing. I think it was my actual intervals were twenty seconds on, and then a minute forty off for kind of five rounds with a bit of a warm up and cool down. And that could be done with anything. So it was the you know elliptical or the stepper or a rowing machine or even sprinting outside. Um, so I would do that, and then we did have to add a bit, and I think even by the end, though, I was only up to three sessions a week, so I only had added in one session, and we were doing seven intervals a time, so I had to add a couple of intervals per session. So I suppose total, yeah, only added, what, seven, 11 intervals per week, really, um, mm. from start to finish. And the only other thing I did was I did increase my activity slightly as we went through. So I was pretty sedentary um, back in November and through the winter. And then more so because I found that just going out for a walk helped clear my head. Um, I added a bit more walking in during the last probably four to six weeks, which, again, it wasn't scheduled. I just consciously did a bit more. So I was probably doing about two to three hours of brisk walking every week. Um, But, yeah, never tied to the treadmill at all never did it i did it fasted a couple of times but it's never prescribed to be fasted it's just yeah how it runs sometimes yeah <laughs> yeah i hear you there yeah i enjoy the walking myself that's one of my favorite things great active re- recovery clears my head reduces stress um yeah and it burns oh, some calories so it's it's yeah 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 i goodness all around with with that so it never really feels like i'm I'm forcing myself to do something it's getting out because I, I i'm enjoying it yeah definitely now what what got you to compete in physique what made what, what got you to make that decision to to compete in that c- category uh, as opposed to bodybuilding and would you do things differently the next time i think what made me a couple of bits or a couple of reasons why I decided to do physique. Uh, one was because never having stepped on stage before, it seemed a bit less daunting than having to just get on imposing trunks. Um, so I did do the, what they call the short shorts division, which mm-hmm. is kind of tight swim shorts. That wasn't the long board shorts. Um, but I couldn't quite bring myself to do trunks first time around just because I was yeah, I was a bit scared to be honest. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, it is, yeah. it's, a, it's a barrier. It's a... Yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> And at the time of signing up, actually, my legs were probably a weaker point. Although I compete in powerlifting, I thought my quads are probably my weakest body part. Um, and I thought, I don't want that to let me down. But what was weird was actually when I got pretty lean towards the end, I realized that actually quads were probably a better body part. So they weren't particularly huge, but they did get quite cut. And looking at a lot of the other guys at the show, I thought my legs could have given them a run for their money. So... In future, I probably would do bodybuilding. Um, I think just coming from that powerlifting physique of my hamstrings and glutes really kind of outshine my quads, um, 
I think in this off-season, I'm going to throw in a bit more accessory work for quads rather than just doing squat variations all the time. So, yeah, it was the fact that legs weren't, I didn't think, were that great. And, um, yeah, just not wanting to go down to full posing trunks for the first time round. Do you find it, is it um, very subjective or... Um... Because physique, I, I just I, to me half the time I wonder if they're just going for the pretty boy look. Like, is it fitness model? Is it like it? it I find it really tough. Whereas, like with bodybuilding, I know they're they're looking for the specific poses, and you just go out there and you do your business. Like it for me, in turn, I, I think bodybuilding is almost easier because you you know what to expect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's top- difficult. Yeah, go ahead, Mike. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, it's difficult. I, was, I I went into it, I wasn't, in all honesty, wasn't too worried about where I finished. I just wanted to get on stage and mm-hmm. be happy with how I looked. Um, I know that's not particularly competitive. That was just always the goal. But they, we've been told they're looking for like a cover model physique, so a men's health model. Mm-hmm. And I think actually, for me, the guy who I took second, the guy who took first, wasn't as lean as me, but he did have a bit more mass, um, probably a bit more of an aesthetic physique, So, which is entirely what they were looking for, really. So mm-hmm. I think for me, again, bodybuilding next time might be a better choice because I wouldn't say I came in too lean, but probably like leaner than they were looking for. And right. they wanted someone who was a bit more yeah, like underwear style model or cover model, which wasn't particularly me. It was certainly more this other guy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it sounds like you. I mean, I think that's one of the benefits of getting really freaking shredded like that is you get to see your physique, like as it is. It's like this. This is my new. This is my the clay, the the the, the stone that I have to work with. It's it's my foundation. Now I get to build upon it, and you've kind of found your your weaker points. And it sounds like you already have a bit of a a plan of a, a attack, like a little bit more like changing up your accessory work here. Um, what what are your what are your goals kind of leading from here on out? Um, is there certain? Are you looking to bring up certain body parts? Are you looking to add an X amount of size? Do you, what what kind of goals are you aiming for here? Yeah, definitely. I think nothing's set in stone. Particularly, I have got another show in four weeks' time. I just thought while I'm lean, I'll do two shows, um, and actually, it's been fairly easy to maintain where I'm at so that's the um that's the plan got another one very start of July and then following that definitely going to look into competing in powerlifting again at the end of the year because I can still stay comfortable within a weight class um which is yeah which is ideal really um Mm -hmm. and then in terms of yeah I'd like to put on some size um keep relatively lean obviously but I've got a few different goals um like I said, you know, bringing up certain specific body parts, I think particularly shoulders and arms are a weak point. Um, posterior chain's never been a weak point at all. I've not really had to work at that just from, again, the powerlifting background. That's always been fine. So that, I wouldn't say would take a back seat, but I don't think I need to worry too much about that. A um, bit more leg work, or especially quad and calf work, just to bring that up, and a bit more shoulders and arms. And I actually tend to have kind of diet goals as well because um, with my macros and calories, I'll constantly try and push them up whilst gaining body weight just at a stable rate, really. So I would love to get up to uh, being able to kind of roughly maintain body weight on about 500 grams of carbs a day. So it's a bit mm-hmm. of a different goal to most people, but that's one to uh, certainly one I'm shooting for as well. I like that. 
yeah, that's uh, that's an excellent goal. <laughs> it's no, going to be no, fun. Well, no, I don't mean from a pleasure. Yeah, also from a pleasure perspective, but I think that's uh, kind of is indicative of a of a healthier metabolism if uh, you can kind oh, of maintain weight. So I think that's an awesome. Uh, uh, now the question is, how would you go about reaching that? I tend to coming off the diet. I'm at the moment. I'm actually on higher calories than I was for the first competition, just because you use that. Yeah, whether or not you believe particularly in the effect of reverse dieting or like a metabolism boost from adding calories, I've managed to to maintain condition with slightly higher calories than I was on before. Um, but what my plan is just fairly steady. So after the show, probably go up to like a, a theoretical maintenance, really. Sort of bring my bring my low days up to closer to where my high days are, which at the moment, um, macro-wise, I'm eating about 200 grams of protein a day, uh, about 60 grams of fat, and then a low day is about 200 grams of carbs, and a high day is just under 300. So I'll Mm -hmm. probably bring my low day carbs up to close to where my high day ones are, um, and then just bring those up. And then once they're about the same, just add, add sort of, roughly 25 to 75 calories to my daily intake per week and depending on progress now if I feel actually I'm looking a lot softer or I think I'm gaining noticeable fat too quickly I'll kind of rein it in and just stay on the same calorie intake for a few weeks likewise if I think performance isn't improving then I'll probably whack them up even higher now I got to jump in. I mean, that sounds, you know, I mean, that sounds like an excellent plan. Um, I just know, I mean, I'm just at the end of my own diet. And um, yeah, I mean, I would like to think that I would have the, the, the discipline once this is over to add, you know, 75 to 100 calories a day. But I, I, I would be, <laughs> I'm, already, I'm already certain that I, I won't be able to maintain that kind of precision. Like, um, have you, like, have you been able to be that precise? Like, I tend to just because I'm I'm a bit weird. I just love numbers <laughs> and, I, and I love tracking. <laughs> I'm okay. normally I don't. I always put it to my clients as an option for doing this, and yeah. some of them are like, "Why would I want to do that?" And I'm like, "Well, I enjoy it." <laughs> Why would I want so, to do that? <laughs> yeah, I I pretty much do that because that's what I enjoy. But okay. to other people, what I'd say is that uh, to me, if a client. If they're having, if they're happy with where they're at, and they've got a healthy relationship with food, I'm absolutely fine with that. Um, my approach with someone else would be things like, you know, maybe just give yourself a free meal or two every week, so yeah, you don't yeah. go out and have a full blown binge, but you have a free meal. Maybe you, if you currently try and hit macros the you know, within like two or three grams, maybe you give yourself a range of like fifteen to twenty grams, or you just say, I'm going to hit. Rough calorie range. I'm going to hit 25 to 2700 calories a day, and I'm going to have at least 180 grams of protein. And just do that. If they've not yeah. particularly enjoyed tracking, I'll say let's get a bit more flexible. Um, <laughs> different approach, I think, work for anyone. I think the free meal one is quite nice for a lot of people, provided, like I said, not big on going out and just eating 12,000 calories to your stuff. Um, and I think it's a trade-off as well. Some people are perfectly happy to suddenly add seven, eight hundred calories a day back into their diet and get a bit more fat gain than you would just adding like three or four hundred straight off the bat. So I think it's whatever people are generally happy with. Um, 
I'm like I said, I'm just odd, and I quite like tracking calories, and it doesn't particularly bother me. So that's, it, that's my plan. It, do you find is that tough for a lot of people to understand? Like that, whenever I have in conversation, because I love tracking myself, and whenever I talk to other people who are like so against calorie counting, they swear it doesn't work, and people can't stick with it. They just they don't. They just have a real difficult time comprehending that. There are there is a percentage of the population out there. People actually we thrive off of these kind of paying attention to the details. Like they're not leaving anything to guesswork. Yeah, definitely. And I think I'll get a bit of stick sometimes. I'll go out and I'm def apart from yeah, a few weeks for a competition, I'm pretty flexible with what I have and and everything. But I'll go out for a meal sometimes in like the off season or whatever and I'll have the meal, come home and I'll be there on putting stuff into my calorie tracker and people go, oh, you're, you're obsessed. You're, you know, you're absolutely mad doing it. And my thing is, well, if I didn't enjoy doing it, I wouldn't do it. I know that I'm quite happy to admit that I'm weird, but if I didn't enjoy doing it, I wouldn't do it. And actually by doing it, I've said to myself, yeah, I'll go out and eat quote unquote junk food or I'll eat food at a restaurant with you. But if I was following the idea of chicken, rice and broccoli six times a day, I'd have probably been an absolute pain to try and get to go out. You know, I either wouldn't have gone out, or I'd have said we've got to go to a restaurant that serves this, this, and this, or you know, make special orders from the waiter for food being cooked a certain way. Whereas with the tracking, you can go out and think that's what I fancy. I'll eat that, and I'll make my numbers work around it. So I think it actually makes social eating and you know, going out for dinner with people a lot easier. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yep. Definitely agree. Um, now I'm curious, like, cause you've got the, the powerlifting background there and I know there's like just hearing you talk about future goals and adding more accessory work. Um, I, I see there are a lot of coaches. They just, they just stick to their guns out there and like, all you need to do is stick to the big compound movements and continue progressing on straight strength. That's all you need to do to, to build muscle and size and hearing you talk about, um, the need to add a little bit more accessory work in here. What What are some some guidelines, kind of lessons that you've learned along the way um, for people who who love powerlifting but still want to to kind of gain maximum size and an aesthetic physique at the same time? Yeah, it's a really good question. Actually, I think to me it's it's a bit of a an overused phrase, but finding out what works for you. So obviously we've got all the science and what that says and you know, looking at it now, it seems that people are saying that overall uh, training volume is the main driver in hypertrophy. Right. So I think you're getting a lot of people saying, oh, you just need you know, squat. You can lift the most on squats for leg exercise, so just don't ever bother with leg extensions and leg presses and leg curls. But to me, that's a, a bit of a short-sighted approach. I think, yeah, if you could only pick one leg exercise to do, you would pick the squat, I think, or a squat variation at least. But there's nothing wrong with saying, actually, I want to bring up my legs. I'm going to do some leg extensions for a, you know, a time under tension set and with some forced reps and some negatives and stuff just because, yeah, again, that's going to create some more muscle damage. Um, likewise, change around how often you lift, how often you train. Like, for me... I'm probably going to go into another variation of DUP, but I'll probably need deadlift twice a week because, as I said, my posterior chain's always been fairly strong. My deadlift's pretty much always gone up, even when I've trained it once, twice, three times a week. So actually, 
I might as well save some energy, only train it once or twice and put more effort into what I need to bring up. Um, so yeah, I think it's just a case of a lot of people get a bit stuck in their ways potentially. Um, I'd always, if you want to try something, always try give it a go for six to eight weeks to see if it does actually make a difference. Um, if it does, great, stick with it. If not, try something else. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Having an open mind and, and not being afraid to experiment with methods that are even completely opposite to what you're used to. A lot of times that's that in itself is is key. Making making a big change like that could be exactly what your physique needs to um, to spark some new growth there. And um, I think it keeps it keeps training fun as well. It makes it pretty much limitless in, in what you can uh, do in the gym month after month and um, I think, I think that's it, man. Like I, I've just come off a high frequency phase and I never thought I'd be training full body five times a week. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought it was absolutely ludicrous. Um, <laughs> but I, I, it surprises how much we enjoyed that phase and my body responded really, really well. I may, I will do it again in the future, but I think the biggest takeaway from that is that um, I think from here on out, I may just pick one body part, one of the lagging body parts, and train that one more frequently for so many weeks at a time, and um, and then switch yep. it up from from there. So lots of lessons to learn, um, and and having an open mind, it just opens the doors for for long term success. Yeah, and I think you said it well when you said about having fun too. That's mm-hmm. such a big factor. If you don't enjoy what you're doing, I'm not saying you have to love every session, but if you don't get a bit of a buzz from going out uh, from training, I think you're doing something wrong, really. Um, so, like I said, I'm actually gone back to my upper lower split because doing it while I was traveling, I actually really enjoyed it for a change. And now coming back into the gym and doing some water regulation, trying out some exercise I've not done in a while. So, like today, I did some lunges with the safety squat bar, and I love them. They're awesome. I've not done them in probably about 18 months, and I thought, I don't know why I don't do these more often. I could have done sets all day if I had the time. Hmm. Uh, all right, man. With, uh, when, one thing that I absolutely love um, about having fellow lightweight bodybuilders on a podcast is... Uh, is that I mean I can relate to a lot of what you're going through during the cut and and how we feel as coaches in the industry. I mean we're in an industry that's kind of dominated by beasts. Advertising. I mean it seems like all the guys are over 200 pounds, and uh, every once in a while I get a little resistance if I'm if I'm um, putting out some sharing some advice on, on in a YouTube video, and every once in a while you get a comment from some 250 pound guy who's pharmaceutically enhanced and telling me what the hell do I, what could I possibly know about building muscle when I only weigh 150 pounds or 155 pounds. Um, as a coach, do you encounter some of this resistance? Do you have a tough time finding other role models, um, guys who are similar to our, our size, whether it's in bodybuilding or, or, or powerlifting? Uh, what's the experience been like for you as a, as a lightweight and a coach? Yeah, definitely. I do agree with that, that a lot of people, because you're not 200 pounds, do really think, yeah, what do you know? You don't know anything. Or powerlifting again. I think powerlifting is a bit different to sort of physique and bodybuilding. I think powerlifters are generally a lot more accepting and they'll, well, it's friendlier in general, but Mm -hmm. because obviously it's more kind of based on performance-wise and 
everyone competes on an even stage in terms of like uh, weight categories and whatever. I think it's a bit different with that. But certainly bodybuilding, I mean, people, yeah, I got quite a lot of stick after in this last competition. People were saying it was a waste of time, you know, you weren't big enough. And to me, that kind of wasn't what it was about. It's about doing stuff that makes you happy and, you know, setting yourself goals and challenges. But uh, I suppose likewise as well, I wouldn't go out of my way to you know, tell someone I'm an expert on building muscle because clearly I've got a hell of a long way to go to claim that. So I... I would never claim it as my forte. I'd say you know, I can get get people lean, but if you want to build muscle, you're probably better off going to this guy or this guy or whoever. Um, so yeah, and I just I think fortunately, I think more the the circles that I am involved in, the people that I align myself with, are probably um, quite similar minded to myself with goal similar goals. So it's not as much of an issue. I think if I was more in the bodybuilding sphere, it might be though. Um, but yeah, you're right. There is some resistance, definitely. It's interesting because I mean, even being a smaller guy, I mean, it's tough. I mean, I've put years and years of experience trying to build myself up to the point where I'm at right now, and and tons of studying, lots of research um, in the trenches and in the textbooks. And I may not be 200 pounds, but I, I think I'm more knowledgeable, um, and experienced than many guys who are 200 pounds and, and bigger. So I, I, it's, it's tough. I, I do find it's, it's an interesting position to be in as a smaller guy and a muscle building coach. Cause I, I just the way I look at it is yeah I've done I'm doing the best with the the genetics that I have um, busting my butt off and applying everything to the best of my ability um, but I think I look at it, I I love coaching other people I mean I expect most of my clients to get even better results than I do because I may be a, a bit of a hard gainer um, I, I hate to label myself as that but at this point in the game this point in the game things are going a lot slower than than they ever have in the past um, but yeah I know I can if I get some young buck um, doing some coaching with me and and damn I, with the knowledge and experience that I have I know I can uh, get them huge <laughs> so, so uh, yeah it's it, it's it's tough. I know it's good to look at um, role models. I guess it is kind of nice to have a coach who, if they are big, look up. I want. I want to look just like my coach, and maybe that's why I attract. Tend to attract a lot of guys who are similar in size and stature to myself. Um, but it still helps some pretty big guys get even bigger. <laughs> yeah, I think I've also found it's actually more from the general public which is quite weird so i'll say to a family member oh i did a bodybuilding competition they'll go well you're not exactly big are you <laughs> you, think, <laughs> you think well well you lift weights for sort of you know four or five years and then diet down to get on stage in your pants and you you tell me how big you are then <laughs> I just, you know, it does make me laugh a bit that's hilarious now do you find the one thing that i noticed even though it was tough to see that, that scale weight go down. The leaner and more shredded I, I got, um, I looked bigger, like shirt off. Shirt With my shirt on, you could tell I was getting smaller. But when I took my shirt off, got a good pump on in the gym and, and struck the right poses, I looked way bigger than the 145, 150 pounds that I was. Um, did you catch some of that as well? Do you feel, get some comments like people... Whether you post a picture or or someone sees you in the gym, they 
they have a tough time guessing your weight? Oh, definitely, yeah. Um, people were shocked when I told them what I stepped on stage at. They thought I was a good 8 to 10 kilos heavier. Mm-hmm. And as egotistical as it sounded, I did start wearing more vests in the gym just because you know, you've got, got vascular arms. You feel skinny if you wear a T-shirt, so you just put a vest on so you can, uh, or a tank top so you can see your arms. It's, yeah, very, very vain, but it does kind of push you through when you're feeling like you're looking too skinny. Exactly. That's that's definitely it. Sure, that's same same way, and that uh, it's kind of funny because as I'm as I'm cutting and wearing tag tops in in the gym, um, it just it just it brings up more detail, and for some reason it makes you look bigger when you have when you have that kind of detail showing. And as I'm cutting, I had a lot of people tell me, "Wow, are you are you getting bigger? Are you are you putting on some size right here?" And they, "No, I just dropped five pounds," but. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, looking bigger because uh, the muscles are are showing a lot more. How about you, Beast Man, Brian? Do you feel the um, same way? Getting cut? Do people make comments with you? you no, nah, man, I'm. Uh, I you know what? I'm a sweatshirt guy, dude. Like even, even when you're th- cut, even when you're cutting like al- this. Always, man. I just like um, I like I like feeling really really hot when I'm training. I just like yeah, you know, like I like a really really deep sweat and. Uh, it's just something I've gravitated to over the years. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, if I'm, if I'm wearing a zip up, I'll take it off maybe three quarters of the way through. But, but no, man, I'm, uh, I play low key, man. I'm, uh, I avoid, I avoid the attention. I- <laughs> <laughs> you yell out, "Yo, Adrian!" Uh, when you're working yeah. out too. <laughs> Sweatpants no, there. No, yeah, man, I'm under the radar, but, <laughs> but no, I, re- I represent. I mean, when it, when, when the work's done, I got something to show for it. But no, I've. Uh, <laughs> No, I kind of, I'm kind of, I don't want to say I'm old school, but I'm just, uh, yeah. Plus, there's just so many, <laughs> there's so many shitty physiques in my gym, like so many bad, <laughs> bad bros that I'm like, I like, I don't, I don't want to be a, I don't want to be a member of this club right now. So I, I kind of just do my own thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, yeah. wrapping things up here, um, Mike, I know you got a pretty new program out there that focuses on your dupe training. Do you want to just take the stage here for for a couple minutes and just. Tell the uh, tell the audience what's involved in that program and who it may be right for. Yeah, sure thing. Um, I think we pretty much put it all together because day and dating periodization was getting pretty big out there. Certainly from guys like Lay Norton, um, Ben Esgro, they're all promoting it um, and following it and seeing great results. And I tried it for a couple of my powerlifting competitions about eighteen months ago and just saw, I don't want to say crazy strength increases, because I think that sounds like I'm trying to oversell it slightly, but saw, well, have my best totals at my lowest body weights by using it, by switching from typical, like, normal powerlifting routine. Um, it's just nice and basic. I think the reason why I want to put it together is because there's a lot of people who think that DUP is a routine and it you know has to be squat, deadlift and bench and it has to be three times a week and you can't do any arm work on it. And actually, daily undulating periodization is purely a concept um, whereby you switch up kind of rep ranges and modes of training within the training block rather than your typical block periodization or linear periodization. So what we did with the product... Um, it together i worked with a guy called jason maxwell on it uh who runs j max fitness 
and it's pretty comprehensive. We go through all the science of it. We go through why it works, the studies behind it, guys who are following it. And I think we've got in total, there's about 20 different types of DUP training in there. So we've got things like a version for people who can only train twice a week. Uh, we've got a bodybuilding version that's got lots of different accessory stuff in there, focuses more on the hypertrophy rep ranges. We've got a peaking for powerlifting program. We've got low frequency, high frequency, uh, a version for beat up lifters that focus on different lifts. You've got specializations for squat, deadlift, and bench press. So, yeah, got an absolute ton in there. Um, bonuses come with it as well. And yeah, it's pretty much, I think if you got it, you'd have training routines in there to last you a lifetime. And like I said, it's not just squat, deadlift, and bench press, pretty much. Um, and yeah, it's just, if anyone fancies it, it's at jmaxfitness.com uh, forward slash DUP-97 um, or just sign up to my mailing list, um, sign up to Jason's mailing list and we'll tell you about it, to be honest. I'll, uh, I'll get some links in the down below on the, the website here, below the podcast player. And uh, they can click on that, follow through. Um, is there a certain person that this is more geared towards or someone just looking for a change in programming? I would say if you, sounds pretty cliche, but if you want to get bigger and stronger or you want to get you know, a lot bigger, a lot stronger in a calorie surplus or you want to get a bit stronger in a calorie deficit. Like I said, I managed to use it pretty successfully, cutting weight for powerlifting competitions and getting stronger. Um, it's just a really nice shake-up to a routine as well, I think, because it's so varied that there is an option there for everyone. Excellent, man. Excellent. Well, thanks a lot for joining us today, Mike. I appreciate you taking the time, and uh, do, I'll, I'll have links to your website and blog and everything down below. Um, you're definitely cranking out some, some outstanding content. Love following your work, and uh, look forward to seeing how you grow over the next couple of years and uh, see, see if you step on stage again and have a black. Well, first of all, good luck on this upcoming contest here in, uh, in yeah. a few weeks. Uh, looking forward to seeing how, how that goes. And it's always, I got to tell you right here, it, I've, first time I competed, I did uh, shows three weeks apart. And uh, it's such a huge learning experience that first time. So the second time is like, it's even more fun the first because you know what to expect and uh, your confidence is even higher than it was the first time. So looking forward to to seeing this next um, competition that you go through. That'll be a blast to follow. Yeah, definitely. I'm actually really looking forward to it myself. But yeah, thank you very much for having me on. It's been really good fun. So enjoyed it. Excellent. Hey, Outstanding, buddy. Awesome. Take care. Right. You bet. Thanks, Thanks Mike. guys.